Hi, everybody. This is Jimmy DeYoung, and I'm so excited about the fact that you've joined us today to take a look at the book. There is a very controversial issue that needs to be dealt with. It's the kingdom of God. Are we in the kingdom now? Where is Jesus Christ at this moment? Is he seated on his throne? Well, we need to answer some of those questions, and we're going to do it as we take a look at the book. I have a five-hour audio series. It's my latest series, by the way, entitled Thy Kingdom Come. It's a five-hour audio series on CD that will assist you in understanding about the kingdom. Today, we're going to be talking about perversion of the kingdom. You'll understand what I'm talking about when I talk about the controversy surrounding this issue. I'll tell you how you can get your own copy of this five-hour audio series on CD in just a moment. But right now, get Bible in hand, and let's study the Word of God, perversion of the kingdom. Go with me to 2 Samuel. 2 Samuel, let me show you the sovereign plan. Prophecy. 2 Samuel chapter 7. You might recognize that as the Davidic covenant. It is one of the four covenants, the Abrahamic covenant, Genesis 12 and 15, the land covenant, and please do not call that the Palestinian covenant. I don't care if your King James Bible does say that. That's not in the scripture. There's no place called Palestine. That's a political, satanic phraseology. So don't use the word Palestine. It's not in the Bible. The place is called Israel. That's what God called it. I like to go with what God says. And so it's the land covenant in Deuteronomy chapter 30. And then you have the new covenant in Jeremiah chapter 31. But this is the Davidic covenant. It's very interesting. The Davidic covenant follows some activities by King David. If you've got chapter 7, just slip back two chapters to chapter 5. David, when he became king, he became king not of all 12 tribes, but the tribe of Judah first. And for the first seven years as king of Judah, he reigned from a city called Hebron, which is about 38 miles southwest of the city of Jerusalem, a very provocative place today. It's the burial site. Abraham purchased a piece of real estate there uh, back uh, when his wife Sarah died to bury her. It's called the Machpelah Cave. They tried to give it to Abraham, and he said, no way, I'm paying cash money for it. And Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob with their wives were buried in that cave, and now that's very controversial. Uh, There are uh, about 125,000 Palestinian terrorists who are are surrounding about 700 Jews who are trying to protect this very sacred piece of real estate for the Jewish people. The second most sacred piece of real estate in all of creation. Uh, the, the, uh, The patriarchs are buried in that location. But King David became the king of Judah in Hebron. And for seven years he ruled and reigned there. The other 11 tribes decided we ought to have him as king as well. And so they go to him, they have a conversation. He agrees to be king of all 12 tribes. And then he says, I must select a neutral location from which to rule and reign. Hebron is there in the center of Judah. Let me suggest that uh, we take this Jebusite strong over here stronghold. It's called Jerusalem. The Jebusites control it. It's between Judah and Benjamin. It's a neutral city. Let's select that. 
And chapter 5 is the record of how Samuel, cap, uh, excuse me, David and his mighty men capture this location, this Jebusite stronghold. Verse 6 of Second Samuel 5. And the king and his men went to Jerusalem and to the Jebusites, uh, the inhabitants of the land, which spake unto David, saying, I love this, except thou take the blind and the lame and defeat them, thou shalt not be able to come herein. Man, they were really mocking old David and his mighty men. And hey, we got a bunch of lame and blind people up here. If you can whip us, then we'll, you can take the city. Otherwise, you're not going to be able to. Nevertheless, David took the stronghold of Zion, the same as the city of David. Now, those are synonymous terms. The city of David, Zion, and Jerusalem, all the same in the scriptures when you read them. And so, 3,000 years ago, King David and his mighty men captured this Jebusite stronghold called Jerusalem, and they made it the political capital of the Jewish people. That's 3,000 years ago. God gave them the victory. Chapter 6 of 2 Samuel. Not only is it going to be the political center of the Jewish people, but God is going to allow King David to make it the spiritual center of the Jewish people. David realized the Ark of the Covenant was not in Jerusalem. Later, he's going to buy from Ornan the Jebusite the threshing floor to place ultimately the Ark of the Covenant. The Ark of the Covenant is in a place called Kiryat Sharim. And so he's going to go out there. You remember what happened. The Ark of the Covenant rested in the tabernacle for 350 years in a place called Shiloh. One of those Jewish settlements, by the way. If you ever listen to our broadcast, I have a broadcast partner named Israel Madad, who's the mayor of Shiloh. He's an expert on the tabernacle. You can go to Shiloh and see where the tabernacle set for a period of 350 years with the Ark of the Covenant in the Holy of Holies. And then along come the Philistines, and they take the ark for a seven-month period of time. Uh, They uh, get all kind of physical problems they cannot deal with. So they drop the ark of the covenant off uh, in one location, and a bunch of uh, Jewish men go down there, 70,000 of them, 70,000 look in there, and they see the ark of the covenant. Many of them die. It's now put over in Obed-Edom's home in Kiryat Sharim, about 15 miles to the west of the city of Jerusalem, and it stays there for 120 years. David decides the Ark of the Covenant needs to be in the political capital for the Jewish people. I want to make this the spiritual capital as well. Well, he remembered what the Philistines did. They made a cart pulled by an ox to go get the Ark. So he made a cart pulled by an ox and goes down to get the Ark. When he puts the Ark on the cart, it starts back towards Jerusalem, hits a stone, stumbles, the ark starts to slide off, loses it, reaches up, stops it, dies on the spot. And David realized, hey, I'm copying the world. That's the way the world did it. When all else fails, read the manual. So he went right to the book. The Levites didn't put the ark on a cart. Pulled by an ox, they had four Levites take poles, shittim poles, shittim wood covered with gold, put it through the four rings at the corners of the ark, lift it up on their shoulders and walk that way. So David spends about three months getting everything ready, goes back and brings the ark into Jerusalem, sets up a little tabernacle just off of the Temple Mount and lets the ark stay there. 
that ark came to Jerusalem, Jerusalem became the spiritual capital as well as the political capital of the Jewish people. And now King David says, we need to have a permanent dwelling place for the ark. We've had a transportable worship center for all of these years, the tabernacle. We need a permanent location, chapter 7 of the book of Samuel. And he wants to build this permanent dwelling place, a temple. And God is not going to allow him to do that. We're not going to all of that. You understand why. But then God, I believe through the person of Jesus Christ, a pre-incarnate appearance, meets with David and tells him, Here's what's going to happen. Moreover, verse 10, I will appoint a place for my people of Israel, and I will plant them that they may dwell in a place of their own and move no more. Neither shall the children of wickedness afflict them any more from before time. Verse 13, and he, one of the seed of David, verse 12, verse 13, I will set up thy seed after thee, which shall proceed out of thy bowels, and I will establish his kingdom. Verse 13, and he shall build a house. That's a temple. He's going to build a temple. He shall build a house for my name. The temple is built for the name of God, his holy name. He shall build a house, a temple for my name. And I will establish the throne, the throne of the king. For what? For his kingdom, the theocracy. There's going to be a temple with a throne for the theocracy. How long is that kingdom going to be? Forever. That word in Hebrew is olam, O-L-A-M. It's the same word with the name of God, El-Olam, which talks about the eternality of God. How long will the temple be there? As long as God is in existence, that temple is going to be there. Look at verse 16. And thine house and thine kingdom shall be established forever before thee, and thy throne shall be established forever. The temple, the throne, and the theocracy will be put in place. That's God's sovereign plan to establish it. So then what happens? Satan has got to do something about that. So what does he do? Oh, by the way, you want to know where that temple was built? Go over to Second Chronicles chapter 3. First Kings chapter 8 talks about the temple being completed and the ark of the covenant being brought into the temple and the glory of the Lord filled the house of the Lord so while they couldn't stand it. But look at with me at second chapter, excuse me, third chapter of Second Chronicles, third chapter of Second Chronicles, first verse. Then Solomon began to build the house of the Lord at Jerusalem in Mount Moriah, where the Lord prepared for unto David his father in the place that David had 
prepared in the threshing floor of Ornan, the Jebusite. First Chronicles chapter 21 said that King David, because he could not build the temple, decided he would gather all the materials, put together all the manpower, and give all the money to build this temple. He then purchased the threshing floor on the peak of Mount Moriah, owned by Ornan the Jebusite. Ornan in First Chronicles chapter 21 said, I will give you this piece of real estate. David said, no way. I'm not going to offer sacrifice unless I pay for the piece of real estate. And so he goes to Jerusalem. And Solomon is the first installment of this prophetic truth, this Davidic covenant. You know what the Bible says, Jeremiah chapter 33? Jeremiah 33 says, as long as the sun and the moon are in the heavens, I cannot break my covenant with King David. Before I can ever break my covenant with King David, the sun and the moon would have to disappear. Says it twice in the 33rd chapter of Jeremiah. It's an absolute. It's an absolute. And then here on Mount Moriah, Solomon builds this temple. The first installment of that divinity covenant. But what's going to happen? That first satanic kingdom comes into play. It's very important for you to understand that Jesus Christ is indeed not on his throne right now, according to the passages in the book of Hebrews. Perversion of the kingdom. This is an essential study for everybody. You need to have, though, the entire series. It's a five-hour audio series on CD entitled, Thy Kingdom Come. You can call our toll-free number if you'd like to get a copy of this series. Our toll-free number is 877-674-3298. Now remember, that's toll-free from across America. 877-674-3298. Or you can go to our website, prophecytoday.com. Go to the shopping mall and you can make your order of this five-hour audio series on CD entitled, Thy Kingdom Come. A very important study at this time in history. I want to thank you again for joining us. And you understand now, as we study God's Word, how close we may well be to the rapture of the church. I look for that to happen at any moment, every single day. Are you looking like that for Jesus Christ to come back? We need to be able to do that. It'll help us to live pure, be productive as we have prepared ourselves for this event in history when Christ calls us to be with him. Well, having said all of that and our study completed, there's basically nothing left for me to say, except let's keep looking up until...